Ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends Podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good today, Sherry. How are you? Well, I'm good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm a little sore. I tweaked my back carrying that big old baby of mine around. Gosh, that's like the worst <laughs> pain. I mean, maybe not as bad as childbirth, but definitely <gasps> bad. Man, it's close. I mean, you know, I had a natural childbirth and there was some, it was hard, but it's it's very strange to have pain without purpose. You know, birthing mm. a baby is like, you know, you're having pain and there's a reason you're having pain. It's going to end. But this kind of pain is like... It's uncomfortable and it's hard to get comfortable. So if I'm a little whiny or squirmy today, y'all forgive me. (laughs) Forgiven. Overall, I'm doing great. I I have very little to complain about in the grand scheme of things. And it's funny because, you know, did you see this week's um, email newsletter that I sent out? this past week. I did. Which one was that? It was about, so I talked a little bit about like over, like over emotional overwhelm. Like, yes. Yeah. So some tips about like emotional overwhelm and the things I talked about were like praying, you know, for sure praying and spending time with other people and getting outside and deep breathing. Those kinds of things that I think are really valuable. And um, one of my dear girlfriends, somebody we've had on the show, Lisa, emailed me and Lisa was on the um, note to self, note to myself note to my younger self um, episode and she was awesome but she sent me a note and said don't forget about gratitude and um, that is crazy because on the way over here I was listening to a pastor that I normally don't listen to on Saturday mornings like I have you know podcasts that I listen sure. to at a specific, specific time and what you know in my mind I'm like kind of compl- not complaining but I'm like I gotta get this done today and I have to do this today and all of this stuff and I'm feeling all this stress about everything I need to get done and he made a comment at the end of his word saying that when you are ungrateful you don't recognize all of the blessings that you yes. have and I'm like okay well I'm sitting in this car and it's awesome and I'm it's a beautiful day outside I'm going to do something that I love doing let me just be grateful and seriously the overwhelm the stress went away yes well you know what I have said in the past and what Lisa was reminding me of my own words is that you know that gratitude and discontent or stress or or um anger, whatever negative emotion you're feeling can't coexist with gratitude. Yeah. When you really are in a place of true gratefulness, you can't also be focusing on those other feelings. There's no room for it. So yeah, so today so I'm going to choose to be grateful. And like you, I'm, I'm going to be grateful too. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, today's show, that's a great lead in to today's show because we're really going to be talking about a tough topic. Um, I think something that probably everybody has felt in, in one way or another at some point in their life. And certainly we've all had friends and family that have been affected by depression. And so today's show is really a look at this, um, one of the most concerning mental health problems, I think, in our society today. And I've been touched by it. I know that many, many others have. You know, everybody gets the blues now and then. But for some people, 
depression can be totally debilitating and it can affect every aspect of their life. So for some people, it can even be deadly, you know, and that the news has been um, has been really full of, of instances of this lately, right? Because of Robin Williams' death um, last year and then Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain most recently. And I think that's really brought to light a conversation around depression and suicide and the fact that it's so sometimes so difficult to see it um, and yeah. to identify it. So I was doing some research for the show, and I found on the National Institute of Health website some information that said that in the U.S., 16 million people have had at least one major depressed, depressive episode, and that number was from 2012. So that was um, a, almost 7% of the population. Wow. Yeah. So I'm that, not surprised by that. No. me, And I would guess that's probably even underreported, yeah. you know, because I think there is a big stigma around um, depression and mental health issues. And so today we have invited our girlfriend, Tracy Lines, to come back and join us to help us better understand the issue of depression and talk about how to identify it and how we can help if it's us or if it's someone we love, how can we be part of the solution and helping people manage it in a positive way and come out on the other side. You know, how can we prevent um, devastating impacts um, that lead to things like suicide? So thank you for joining us, Tracy. Absolutely. Glad to be back. And I want to say that Tracy is um, a licensed family therapist, and Tracy has more than 16 years of experience um, working with people who've got all kinds of issues. And if you want to learn more about Tracy, check it out on the website, southernfriednutrition.com. We'll have a bio, we'll have a, a podcast um, show notes up there. Um, but she was also with us previously on the show, um, on the show that was about the why of behavior change. And that's, Tracy, that's one of our best shows so far. Oh, great. Yeah. And we, <laughs> I love doing it. It was a great show. And we have had um, a lot of a lot of people listen to it, but we've also had some comments, a lot of comments from that show. So thanks for doing that. Okay. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So um, you're also the first guest to make a repeat appearance. Oh, I'm <laughs> privileged. <laughs> and you are. You are. <laughs> Well, we're excited that you're here and, and excited that you can help us really understand this topic a little bit better. And so mm -hmm. to get us started, can you can you speak to, have you seen an, an increase in the number of patients that you're seeing for depression? Well, um, when you ask that, I think because most people come to me for depression, anxiety, or relationship issues, as far as noticing that I'm seeing more people that are depressed. That's not really what stands out. What stands out is that um, all me and my colleagues are just booked. Mm. <laughs> I think the uh, thing, which is, you know, a good thing. It's one of those things that's indicative both ways that, you know, there's more people struggling possibly, but also the good thing is that, you know, the stigma of mental health and getting help is, you know, I, I'm actually getting, you know, even just looking at the, uh, the topic of suicide and how much more males, um, die by suicide, um, that in itself, I am getting a lot more male clients, Interesting. Yeah, which is really makes me happy because I, I know that it's, you know, their needs aren't getting met in that population when it comes to these areas, you know, and depression can look very different for men than women. Tell us so, about that. Tell us about that. Well, I have a list. I wish I would have brought it, but it has a list. It has like goes down like a category, men and women with depression. It's almost opposite on everything. Oh, interesting. So, you know, and men like for, you know, to overgeneralize, but men tend to externalize depression. So they'll look for maybe escapes outside of themselves, or they'll tend to like maybe blame outside Well, women will internalize and blame themselves. Women will try to go in, inside themselves and men tend to like, you know, um, 
work too much or drink too much or, you know, those sort of things. Or be angry. That's yes. what I noticed mm-hmm. uh, most with the, um, you know, the men in my life who have been depressed is that where for me, I'm like, I can't get out of bed mm-hmm. for them. It's, it's anger. Yeah. Irritable mm-hmm. and agitated. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and imagine, you know, you know, this, the research shows as far as like men and women are, I, I believe men and women are different. I mean, that's a whole topic there, but you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm so you know aware of all of those, those types of PC things anymore, but just the, as far as the emotion, like women are just socialized to be able to share with girlfriends and talk and show emotion right. and the, the emotion, hey, like, I'm mad or I'm sad or yeah. yeah. And I don't have the exact parts um, research behind it as far as the study that was done, but I remember reading about a study in a book that I was reading once. And it was talking about how when they hooked up men and women to all of the indicators of stress, like rest, uh, heart rate and perspiration, all of that, and had them put them in like where they're both arguing mm-hmm. with each other, that the men showed more emotion or uh, the same or even more emotion. So imagine living in a culture where you have to just kind of suppress all of that and nothing gets to me. And, you know, and the only negative um, emotion that's masculine enough is anger. So sadness and insecurity and embarrassment and, you know, all of these come out as a lot of more conversations about like kind of toxic masculinity Mm -hmm. and especially in the black community, how, you know, mental health, is a real thing. Yeah. You don't have to just say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to pray this sad feeling away. Um, and that that's the changes that I'm seeing. And I'm grateful yeah. for that. Absolutely. So what do you think, what are the things that you think culturally contribute to, you know, in, increase in depression or maybe, um, or the differences? In, and you talked about a little bit about some of that sort of expectations on men, you know, mm-hmm. about the way that they're allowed to express their emotion or not. What mm-hmm. things in our society or our culture or our lifestyles do you think are contributing to this issue? So, you know, it's, it's always a loaded question because I, I think that there's so many parts to it. I mean, you probably do an episode on every area that tends to affect mm-hmm. depression mm-hmm. and mental health. Um, you know, there's even far as uh, I was just listening to something about like exercise can work like an antidepressant, you know? And so we're just, we live a, and another cultures was an average. It was some culture that was, that they were, that they were discussing, but they were talking about how they're just naturally out physically functional, you know, exercise right. for everyday Using life, their hunting bodies. and gathering. And, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not really meant for this sedentary indoors out of the sunlight, less interaction. And, you know, then there's the, the part of is, you know, as much as we can enjoy technology, you know, less face-to-face time and more screen time. Mm-hmm. And um, I really do think, I mean, it's it's a way of connecting, but it's also somewhat of a counterfeit of what is really genuine connecting. I remember there was an article in Time magazine a few years ago, and it was talking about how attachment was actually being affected because moms were spending time on their screen and they had a flat expression looking at their screen, but they weren't interacting with their babies. And that's how attachment is formed through facial expressions and mm. that's how babies know that you're because you're not that's part of the, so sad. it's very sad and I, I remember reading that and being so glad that I mean there was we had internet and stuff but there just wasn't yeah. nothing to the point when I had my you know because people aren't meaning to do this they're not sure, meaning right. to harm it's their children the way that we live our yeah lives, absolutely and it's just and it's so addictive and yeah and if you're at home if you're if someone's staying home with their children and that's just available all the time it's just easy to do 
And um, if you look at old videos of attachment experiments they did with babies and how much facial expression and reactions from from the mom. It's fascinating. You can find these videos like on YouTube. But sure. It's fascinating. I think that's true in all kinds of relationships, mm-hmm. right? So in mother-child relationships, but in marriages too yeah. and in friendships. I mean, I can't tell you, and you guys see this, right? I can't tell you how many times I've been out in restaurants and, you know, I see a couple together or I see friends together mm-hmm. and they're, they're out in a restaurant paying money to have somebody serve them food so they can supposedly spend time together but they're not talking to each other they're both on their devices and they're not they're not interacting they're not having a conversation or maybe they're texting to each other who knows but (laughs) it's so weird it's so weird to me and I you know I I mean I've had to learn to be and it's been hard but I've had to learn to be much more intentional Mm -hmm. and I'm still learning and 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 it's definitely a work in progress for me because so much of the work that I do Mm -hmm. is revolves around social media so I do a Mm -hmm. lot on social media and I need to be able to respond, but I don't need to be able to respond 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm learning how to create those Mm -hmm. boundaries and put my phone down and leave it in the house and go outside with my son and spend time with him. And with my husband, you know, leaving the phone upside down, you know, we have a small child, so I always have my phone accessible in case something happens when we're away from him. But I don't have to always have it looking at Mm -hmm. me, you know, I don't have to respond to every vibration and ding. Yes. And these kids right now that are growing, they're kind of like the guinea pig generation, unfortunately, growing up on so much stuff, you know, and having teenagers myself and working with teenagers, I'm just, you know, more aware of that, but they're just not learning how to cope with negative feelings. There's constantly a distraction and there's no just sitting with things or just sitting and being, I mean, there's just complete boredom, things that we, people would enjoyed before. It's total boredom unless there's not constant stimuli. And so there's, you know, that's it. I think is adding to um, more depression and not connecting all of those things. And it's just so available all the time. And, you know, even adults have a hard time, you know, not, yeah, I mean, yeah. very much so, you know, right. so for them to try to have that kind of self-control and learn how to, to deal with their emotions and not just always look for a, a distraction. Yeah. I think we could do a whole show on social media and and on, you know, screens and, and that false connectedness. Because I think that what you said is, is that's such a valuable thing to remember. And there have been multiple studies at this Mm -hmm. point that show that, you know, that, that it creates a false sense of connectedness, but Mm -hmm. in reality, people feel very disconnected. And so I may have Mm -hmm. hundreds of Facebook friends Mm -hmm. or hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of followers on Twitter or Instagram, but I don't ever have a conversation with a human being face to face. Mm-hmm. I never share a meal with another person. Or if I do, I'm also connected to my device. And I I think that that's something that we're going to see come back later. I really do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I read an article I last year or the year before that was about vacation. It was like a vacation trends and what what's trending now, what's going to be trending even more in the future. And one of the things they talked about was device-free mm-hmm. vacationing or um, Wi-Fi free vacationing where people are going to pay a lot of money <laughs> to go to somewhere not, to connected, not be able to. <laughs> right, where they don't even have the option. 
it's going to be forced disconnection. You know, they're mm -hmm. going to be in the mountains. They're going to be retreats in places where you, you can't even choose to be connected if you want to, because they need that, they need that separation, you know, that detachment with a machete, I often call mm -hmm. it. Well, it's, there's also kind of an addictive response yeah. to, so I was reading a five second mm -hmm. rule. I can't remember the name of the author, Meg something, but she was talking about how people like me who have to keep their email box at zero. Like I get nuts. If it's not at zero, I feel stressed by that. I would make you so crazy. I oh, you my, see. I, my. I've seen <laughs> the number Look, she's notification. Twitching over there. <laughs> I am. And like it really makes me uncomfortable. But what she talked about was that it becomes kind of an addiction that you're to respond immediately mm. to things that are coming at you. And that what I've had to do is basically turn notifications mm -hmm. off and mm -hmm. train myself just to go at certain times of the day, because if I don't, I feel stressed yeah. and that stress can lead mm -hmm. to feelings of overwhelm and depression. And if I could just add more, a little bit more to about social media, I mean, there is like a, a dopamine hit from a like on yeah. a, a social media or whatever, you know, whatever one you're talking about, but, um, that's that's a real thing, and it is kind. You know, these are, these are brain chemicals we're getting addicted to. So it's easy to be like, oh, you know, it's not a substance, but process addictions or you know addictions that are not necessarily a substance. Um, you know, I would say that people have a harder time overcoming them than you know gambling, sex addictions, those sort of types of things. Um, they're um, I've, it, it's like it's the the brain chemicals they're actually addicted to. Mm -hmm. So, but I also wanted to add about social media is this ideal it presents. Like, oh yeah, um, you know, for, like you know, I'll say Facebook since that's you know our generation, <laughs> <That's> uncool <laughs> older people version of social media. Oh, I mean, I'm not old. I'm just, yeah. I think I'm the oldest one in the room, actually. <laughs> not by much. <laughs> yeah, not by much. So, so, but you know, just constantly like there's no one more than me that that realizes like when I look at Facebook that what I'm seeing is not in reality. Yeah, I right. just am very probably being a therapist. I've been more aware, but we all have those friends who post so much positive stuff. It's almost like the more positive you see posted almost always. It's the, like the, it's, it, there's, it's not congruent to their actual mm -hmm. life, you know, and we all have people who write these amazing messages and anniversary messages to their spouse. And you're like, you hate him. You know, <laughs> you know? like, I know you just told I me. About, that. You know, that yeah. Like it just like doesn't, him. you know, but even knowing that, and I have clients who, you know, going through family problems and at Christmas time and they just see family and, and I'm thinking there's a lot of these people who are drinking at their family sure. thing, or they can't wait to leave or they would rather be spending time with their friends. And you know, there, there's always, it just depends on the situation. But even knowing that I myself find that it's like the ideal constantly thrown of what we all think we should have and want, mm -hmm. want to have. And this ideal that, you know, maybe doesn't even exist completely or comes in ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. So we're just constantly reminded of the comparison and the missing part. And I don't even think of myself as someone who compares myself to people that, that much. I mean, I think we all do to a degree, but Almost it's just nature. like this, like it's like this empty, sad feeling of seeing these things that are, it's to the point where I almost don't post anything anymore <laughs> because I, the thought of making someone else feel kind of sad about their life, not being, if it's a positive thing, you know, which I know is a little overboard, but I just, that's the thought that comes to my mind, you know? That's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's it's interesting mm -hmm. to hear you talk about that because to me, like for me, Facebook is all about like posting the highlights. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in, why would I post like my 
why would I post well, of course. negative yeah. things on? To me, it's like I expect people to post positive yeah. things. And when they get too crazy posting all kinds of negative stuff, I think to myself, something's not right yeah. there. It's I, like, well, well, true. I'm your yes. friend, but I'm going to unfollow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's not like I'm mad for saying that people should no, post no. negative things either. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think, I think you know, I, to me, it's like I use Facebook like uh, like um like I would uh, an old-fashioned photo album. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I post yes. there, like things, I, I take pictures of the highlights of our life and I post them on mm-hmm. Facebook when I post them on Facebook. And mm-hmm. things I'm interested in that I think are helpful and, you know, whatever. But, but I think, you know, maybe the difference there too in thinking about, you know, sort of this misuse or um, false connectedness that some people – may think that or may use Facebook or other social media as a way to connect to try to process some of those emotions because they don't have those face-to-face mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah, there's some good. Yeah. yeah. It's not all negative. But yeah. I mean, I love it. I can, I never get Christmas cards anymore because everybody's picture. everybody always <laughs> sees everybody's pictures. I'm like, yeah. well, I miss the paper Christmas cards, but. I still um, send them out, so I'll make sure yeah. you're on my list. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll get one, my one of five that I'll yeah, get yeah. probably. But um, so there is good part. I mean, there's ways, um, um, there's an app called Marco Polo on my that's a video app. Oh, I yeah, we've heard that. Oh, I mean, this has been like uh, my I've connected to long distance friends, even my local friends. We are so much more connection because they're little yeah. blips you can listen to. You want so I mean, it, it's been a you know, like a godsend to me. I can't uh. even express what it's been, you know. So, there's definitely positives. There are ways that people are connecting yeah. more, and I don't think everybody posts positive on Facebook, it's got something to hide. It's more the extravagant, right? Where they're almost sharing too much personal stuff and too often, you know, I've just kind of, you know, but that's a good lead in sort of to the next thinking is like, how can we identify depression? Like as we, you know, we've already said that, you know, there definitely, everybody has some blues, right? We all go through times when we feel sad or when, when really, you know, like Dee and I talked about our divorces, you know, when Mm -hmm. we, when we got divorced, that was a very, that was a very sad time for me. Mm -hmm. I was very sad. And, um, and there are other times in my life when, you know, when, you know, we haven't talked about fertility issues yet, but maybe at some point we will, you know, we, you know, we struggle with, with fertility issues mm-hmm. in my family. And that was a very difficult time. And, but at the same time, you know, even though I f- struggled with feeling sad during those times, I don't know that I, I don't feel like I was depressed to the point where I needed I needed help, although I think that when you need help, you should get it. I, I certainly don't think that I felt suicidal during those times mm-hmm. and would have never done that. But I've had people in my life that have, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that have struggled and also that have taken their own lives. And that is and that was devastating. Mm-hmm. And I want to know more and maybe you can help us understand how to identify it and what we can do to help. So can we talk a little bit about sure. signs and symptoms? Yes. Well, and I always say, you know, the brain is just another organ. You know, people, there's so much stigma on mental health and people are blamed for their depression or feel embarrassed or ashamed. Um, and there's lots of judgment. And But, you know, the brain can can struggle just like any other organ. And some of those, there's genetic factors, there's, you know, environmental factors, there's social fa- factors, all kinds of things, you know, and the things we talked about. And there's just like changes in even just the family unit, all those things. And like you said, we could have a different show We'd have on every single... <laughs> single contributing factor. So as far as depression, you know, being like mild to moderate or, you know, the diagnostic criteria talks about two weeks of feeling, you know, feelings of being down or being tearful or, um, you know, and I would say sleep is a, a factor, like mm-hmm. people either um, sleeping too much or they're having insomnia 
or they lose their appetite or they want to eat all the time. Mm -hmm. And it tends to be, it's not, you know, straight across the board, but it tends to be the more clinical or the more severe people have insomnia and lose their appetite. So those are kind of factors. Um, you another big like indicator of clinical depression for us, like, like physiological, not just circumstantial is waking up depressed. Hmm. You haven't had time to think and get into a negative train of thought, but you, they wake up and it's just like a cloud and they don't even want to get out of bed. Um, that's when, you know, and the thing is, circumstances, all the stress of that, there's brain chemicals like you, when you guys were talking about gratitude, every, you know, negative thought is puts off a negative chemical, every positive thought puts off a positive chemical. So you think of the, you know, when a person is depressed, their their mind just so immediately goes to that negativity, and they really don't have a lot of control over it. All those things like mindfulness and gratitude are very helpful, but it's, it, it's work, you know, and, um, and it's true, like you said about um, your aren't able to think about the negative it's almost even just it's a distraction you're thinking about something positive but it's also so that you know the mind is so naturally going to this negativity it's so hard to get to those positive thoughts you know I've had an episode where I was very depressed where mm -hmm. I had the thought things would be better for everyone if I weren't here that's when I went and got medication because that mm -hmm. scared the shit out of me. I don't know if we can say shit on this podcast, but it's, now we did. <laughs> it scared me so mm -hmm. because I was like, this doesn't lead to a good place. Yeah. So I, I went and I got medication and therapy. Um, but that to get to a positive thought, it felt like swimming through water. Like I mm. couldn't. My brain couldn't even. I would say it feels there. like the positive thoughts just bounce off your head, yeah, and the it's negative like it's ones here, come over like a cloud and, and they're just settling. You. Yes, yeah. yeah, and there's and for some people who don't have that tendency, or their, you know, uh, their temperament is more upbeat, or it, they just like, well, what's your problem? Like, why can't you just, well, just stop thinking like that? And mm -hmm. it's just it's not that simple at all, right? You know, um, you know, I've I've had some too, some you know, mild to moderate. I've had probably one pretty big episode with postpartum. I'd just gone through one of the hardest years of my life at that time. And, um, meds did wonders for me. And as a therapist, mm -hmm. I'm really glad that I had that experience. You know, am I quick to jump to bed? No, but I, I think that it, um, it showed me how physiological it was the fact that I, it, it did such wonders for me so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, you know as a dietitian, I often tell people, you know, if, if I had a, if I had a patient who had diabetes and needed insulin, I would never tell them don't take insulin, yeah. you know? And to me, it's no different. You know, sometimes our, our brain chemistry is off mm -hmm. and we need help and that external help sometimes comes for a short time mm -hmm. and sometimes we need it for a long time you know yes. I've had friends who've had issues with being bipolar and you know managing yes, that medication managed it disease. is it yeah is. Mm -hmm. absolutely and I've seen you know I had a I had a roommate once who had who had some issues mm -hmm. with with bipolar and she took medication. She, when she moved in, she was on medication and then she went off the medication sometime while we were living together. Mm -hmm. And then she went back on her medication. And I saw the incredible difference between mm -hmm. how she was medicated and how she mm -hmm. was unmedicated. And she struggled with seeing that herself from the inside, mm -hmm. um, even though she was experiencing it. So I think, you know, that, that leads us to a good place to talk about how can we, if we are somebody who is, who loves somebody who's struggling with depression, how can we support that person? What can we do from the outside that might help them instead of hinder them? 
Well, talking about it is for one, as far as like, and like, that kind of goes back to even what we we're saying about men earlier, that men aren't going to tend to be like, you look depressed, buddy. You know, you're probably, that's not going to happen as often unless they're really close. Women do that for each other a little more. But being able to, and you know, when we even talking about suicide, that you know, people want to tiptoe around that, you know, around that issue. And um, when we're, it's not going to prompt someone to take their life. Right. You know, by talking about it, people are afraid of those sort of things, you know, and if anything, to, to, for them to feel more comfortable with those, that term, you know, d whether it's depression or suicide. Oh, that's really and, I think that's a huge tip, like mm -hmm. not to be afraid to talk about suicide. I think mm -hmm. that was, um, you know, I mentioned to you, Tracy, in advance that I had a really good friend who took mm -hmm. her own life a few years ago and it was devastating when it happened. And I was really afraid to talk to her about it, even though she had had previous attempts. Mm -hmm. um, I was afraid to bring it up because I, you know, there was a part of me that was afraid of planting the seed in her mm -hmm. head. And yeah. now looking backwards and from what you just said, it reminds me that she was already thinking yeah. about oh, yeah. it. We're not, we're not coming with a new concept, right? right? And if somebody's in that much pain, you know, so, and you know, these things do not discriminate, right. you know, there's so much, you know, I have felt like, you know, God just brought this neighbor of mine into my life this past year who lost her son. Um, he took his life on the first day of school of the, mm. of the school year. And, you know, it's, it's a hard journey. It, there's days she doesn't want to get out of bed, you know, and sometimes seeing the end of that and just all of like the stigma around oh, all the questions and when it's your child and, you know, there's people, who, you know, they assume, you know, that maybe a person didn't have a good home life or didn't have a supportive family when that's not often not the case at all. Yeah. And, um, you know, recently there was a situation where, some people were saying that they thought he was bullied and he wrote in his letter that he, that was not the case, you know, and it's like, you know, as far as like, again, coming back to this physiological part of a person's tendency towards depression and he was just a, you know, really kind and kind of quiet, quieter kid. And so, you know, they went school shopping the day before and had his clothes sitting out and just, you know, and then when they woke up the next morning. So it's just, um, I really feel, um, have a lot of empathy and have just really thought about what it would be like to be in her shoes. And as far as how other people respond to that, it's not just, you know, <clears throat> parts depression, but the families of, you know, or, or even someone who's got a family member who's very depressed where they're always worried, like your friend, like yeah. it being the family or just even a friend sure. of someone who you're just always wondering you're going to get that phone call. Um, and it was like that with her and, and I'm sure it was like that for her family. She and I were very close and I talked to her most days, at mm -hmm. least, you know, two or three times a week. Mm -hmm. And I knew that she was incredibly depressed. I knew that she was struggling and I also knew that she had a lot of help. Mm -hmm. She had a very supportive family. Mm -hmm. She had a large friend, yeah. you know, circle. She had, a, you know, professional help. She had medication. She mm -hmm. had tried inpatient and outpatient care. I knew that she had all of this support. Mm -hmm. And I also was a part of her support network. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult, both in the midst of it, to feel like there was so little that I could do to help mm -hmm. ease her pain. And then also once it happened, you know, thinking backwards, was there something else I could have done? And, um, you know, I, I definitely feel peaceful about the fact mm -hmm. that I did everything I could yeah. do to right. love her mm -hmm. and support her. I wish I could have done more. I wish yeah. I could have prevented it like anybody who would be in that situation. But I know that at the end of the day, 
there wasn't mm-hmm. a way We're not that, that powerful, I, you know, no. sometimes it's, you know, as far as recognizing when we want to help, you know, or we want to take, take too much responsibility, you know, we're just not that powerful. And of course, you know, like she had Ultimately, all of those things. It was, it was her decision. Right. Yes. It was her decision. In fact, I was just watching, uh, it was like a Ted talk on, a, a, um, it was a young male who, who had, uh, uh, consider taking his life. He was on the, on the edge of a, a bridge. And he said that there was the feeling of just being right there. He says the control I felt over my life at that, like he, just that feeling he, um, it always felt so out of control and all these feelings. He's like, and in a minute I have this much control, just feeling like, you know, I can make this mm-hmm. choice. Yes. Yeah. It's completely just that moment. Me. No one mm-hmm. else gets to decide. That's really, that's really an interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. So what would you say if, if you know, if you're, you know, a family member, a loved one, a friend, and you know somebody that you feel like is very close to, to taking their Mm -hmm. life to, uh, you know, what would you say to them as far as an intervention? Or what would you say even to the person who's considered or is considering it? Well, often they don't tell. And as far as even the signs, and that's where, as far as not discriminating, sometimes, you know, we have these, you know, well, loss of interest in things or withdrawing from people or low energy, but then sometimes a higher energy right before they make that choice. Um, And like this kid said, actually, in that TED talk, he goes, is it really a choice if it's the, if it's the only option? Mm -hmm. And when a person is that point, you know, nobody really, unless they've been there, can really understand how it feels like there it, there isn't a choice. Yeah. Um. So I want to say that as well. But um. So far as like you know, sometimes the signs aren't very evident, and that's scary. Yeah. And um, like you said, if you got a, a person who is maybe a little more withdrawn or introverted by nature, and they just you know everything seems like how they've always been, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, addressing it, being there, I think sometimes, you know, some people will talk, we can't force people to talk. And that's really, I mean, as a therapist, I will tell you, that's probably one of the hardest things we deal with is that, you know, we have to be careful. We, We don't, assert ourselves too much because of that, the feelings of being helpless, mm-hmm. um, to, to help that person and powerless, you know, and, and, you know, working with a client who's has chronic depression that doesn't seem to be respond to anything is probably one of the hardest parts of our job, yeah. you know, and I have a therapist consultation group and we talk and we sit around, you know, you know, what is trying to help each other with, with those kinds of things. And, um, actually while I'm thinking about it, one of the things we bring up a lot is laughter. Oh, so, um, is if you can get them laughing. So I sometimes prescribe like Jim Gaffigan or <laughs> different. I mean, it sounds like that's, this is such a little thing, but yeah. it's really a, and I try to help people realize like things as far as expectations about anything we're going to do to like work on their thoughts or all of those kinds of things. You know, um, if so, somebody's used drinking or something, they're sure. drinking a depressant on top, you know, for mm-hmm. one, but it's right. like, well, that's a whole nother topic, but it's, you know, it's like, it's not going to work like that one thing does that helps you completely escape, mm-hmm. uh, but the, it's healthy. It's actually productive. Right. You're getting somewhere with it. The other is just keeping you stuck. Anything you know, we use, it's a maladaptive coping mechanism, as they call it, you know, it's just keeping you stuck. But when you do things where you really work on your thoughts or you work on your relationships or, you know, everybody, I don't care how introverted you are. Everybody needs connection. Yes. And, um, you know, so anyway, back to your question though, I just think being there and being, um, asking them and being open at, at the same time, what really comes to mind is how hard this can be if they don't want help. Yeah. And, um, you know, checking in on a person, I mean, as far as, 
Um, I reposted something on Facebook the other day that says, check on your strong friend. I and saw it was that. talking about, you know, how mm-hmm. sometimes people are, have gone through so much and they've developed such great coping skills that they, they come across so strong that they, they're great at it. Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. They don't look like they need help. So, and then sometimes because that's part of their identity, they don't really receive it or ask or for it either. Or they're not going to ask for it. Yeah. You know, I saw that. I, I think I saw your post. Yeah, that, possibly. I thought about conversations that I've had with a really good girlfriend of mine mm-hmm. who we are the strong ones. Mm-hmm. And we've had a conversation before about, okay, if I'm there for everyone else mm-hmm. and I'm making sure that everybody else is okay, who's making sure that I'm okay? And right. like often that's, that's not the it's case. It's like on the radar sometimes, yeah. you know, it's just They're a like, way oh, part of their she, identity she to be. She doesn't have any mm-hmm. problems. She's good. Mm-hmm. She's always good. So I think it's that's a really, case. that's a really a good place to mention too that if you are the strong one and you are supporting other people and you're not connected or you're not feeling like you're getting that support then then to me that's a great place to look at your life and go okay I need some help myself mm-hmm. I need some therapy I need some support I need some whatever it is you know I need to find a place to get the support that I need so that I'm not swallowed up by all of this mm-hmm. um you know difficulty and depression and pain that's around me Mm-hmm. I think that that's, I think that that sort of, you know, while maybe men are more prone to suicide, I would suspect that maybe women ha- have more issues with depression, but I don't know. Is that true? Well, I think that's something like women attempt three times as much, but men are successful wow. more often. Um, yeah. Wow. So, and the, the rise of women becoming yes. successful. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I just saw an article in AJC that talked about the middle-aged. Wow. Wow. So I think, you know, okay, so we've talked a lot about how to identify it, how to help if we can, you know, Mm -hmm. things we can like talking and um, being being part of the solution for people, Mm -hmm. helping them see their way out if they can't, you know, by talking about Mm -hmm. it. Um, referring them to support for mm-hmm. sure, I think is one, you know, there's a national suicide hotline. We'll make sure Absolutely. that information is included. Do you know the number? If Not you don't, that's okay. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> we'll make sure it's in the post. So, I, and I think, okay. So, so one other thing. Yeah. And also talking to them about things other than their depression. Yes. yes. Right. Like the, the conversations that seemed more normal yeah. were more just, helpful for me yes, than talking there. about the fact that I felt sad, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great point. Well, and I've always said, you know, when it comes to depression, everything that helps with the depression, you don't want to do when you're depressed. Yeah. You don't want to exercise. You don't want to eat right. You don't want to connect with people. You don't want, you know, you just don't. Because, you know, things (laughs) that are like, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, things that you normally enjoyed are just kind of like, eh, all right, you know, and things that you don't enjoy are just total chores. And Mm so, you know, when you don't enjoy much, and that's a big, you know, thing to look for is people not enjoying things, Mm -hmm. you know, and, Mm -hmm. and that sort of just kind of. They're just everything. People think of depression as sadness. It's not. It's something just blahs and people feel so yeah. empty inside. And um, so. so if we find ourselves in places where we're feeling blah and sad and stuck or whatever it is, some of the things I think we can do. So I'm not talking about clinical depression that requires medication or mm-hmm. therapy because that's what it that's what you need if you're in that mm-hmm. place. But mm-hmm. if you're not, then some of the things we've talked about, I think just to summarize and sort of bring us back mm-hmm. to are things like exercise mm-hmm. because it can change the chemistry in your brain. Yes, absolutely. Laughter, mm-hmm. connecting with people we love who support us, spending time with other people mm-hmm. can change those that chemistry. Mm-hmm. Food 
can have a big impact, you know, there's a lot of research around Mm -hmm. inflammation in food and and the impact that has. The brain, the organ. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I think, so I think making sure that you're eating the right kinds of food to support your body and your brain. Um, and, and maybe sometime we'll do a show on that at some point, cause mm-hmm. that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause my question is, what's the kind of food? I know. Right? Omega-3s, I know right? you know, omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty mm-hmm. acids mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, there's some good research around that. Mm-hmm. So fish and, you know, those kinds of things, but also, mm-hmm. you know, fruits and vegetables and, you know, are full of antioxidants that help support our bodies and they can help support our brain. So I think we, I think for sure those are some very positive things. So. If we're blue, we need to take better care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that can help ward off some of this depression mm-hmm. that's a little more severe. You know, starting early as soon as we see the signs to, to try to get ourselves back on track. Yeah, yeah for right. sure. I used to have a friend who would say, you know, if I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm whatever it is, I give myself a certain amount of time. And again, I'm not talking that's to that. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm not talking to that person who's suffering from clini- clinical depression mm-hmm. who doesn't have that choice. But for the average us, right, you know, I, I give myself and I do this to myself. <laughs> I do this to myself. I say, okay, I have a certain amount of time, hours, days, minutes, whatever it is, depending on the situation, right? And, and I get to be mad for this amount of time. Or I get to complain for this amount of time. Exactly. (laughs) And when when that time is up, I'm done. Mm-hmm. No more. I can't say anything else. That's mm-hmm. funny. I like working with a coach and she said the same thing. She was like, go ahead, put your 10 minutes on the calendar. Have victim day. To, have, to be a victim, <laughs> to have a pity party, uh, to completely throw a temper tantrum and then get back to doing what you need to do. Right. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, y'all, I think this has been fantastic. This has been a great conversation about a really tough topic. And um, I think that we've talked about some very practical ways that we can both help identify and support people in our lives who are suffering from depression, but also help address it in our own lives. And I think that's what we hope that people will find valuable in the show. Tracy, is there anything else that you want to make sh- wanted to make sure that you told us during the show? Um, just, you know, again, like destigmatizing, um, depression, even in meds and, you know, they don't, people have ideas as far as meds. They're not happy pills. They're not like, you. so give some sort of euphoric. They just, you know, it has to do with like serotonin recycling, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors is what they're called. Like Prozac, Zoloft, you know, that particular type of antidepressant. They're really just keeping the serotonin in your brain from recycling so that you have more serotonin available to the receptors. Sometimes the receptors aren't working great and they fizzle out and with more serotonin being thrown at them, they will you know, light up and start working again. For some people, that's all that they need. Other people struggle ongoing with those things. And they say, if you, you know, get on and off about three or four times, you maybe should stay on, <laughs> you know, and just, and for, and accept that, that and be happy that there is something that will, will help, you know? Right. So, and, and there are times that meds aren't, aren't helping. And, and there's one that will help one person and n- do nothing for another person. Some, one person might feel even a little worse on it and that there's usually one that will work. It's just, you know, to, it sometimes takes an average of three tries to find the right antidepressant to not wow. lose, not be discouraged about that. So um, I think that's really important too. So that's, that's great. I think that's a great tip, a great place for us to wrap mm-hmm. up. Okay. So thank you so much sure. Tracy, for being with us today. Do, is there anything else you wanted to say? I would only say this, something um, that I used to say all the time was, you know, I'm going to put my nervous breakdown on layaway. <gasps> and what I've I like found, that. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing about it is that it's always out there. Like I'm not addressing what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking mm-hmm. and I'm just keeping mm-hmm. going on with my life. And so I would just say. Bit of denial. Yes. Go ahead. 
have the nervous breakdown. Give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling and get help. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. Awesome stuff. Thank you, ladies, so much for your wisdom and your honesty and for, again, addressing a really tough topic. Mm -hmm. I think it was well done. And um, for those of you listening, thank you for staying with us through this hard topic. And I invite you to send us questions, comments, anything that you want to share about this topic. Um, you can email us at southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether you found this helpful or you have additional questions or you thought something we said was wrong. We, yeah. we are okay <laughs> with that. We, are, we don't pretend to be perfect around here, and we are definitely open to your input. Um, so we just thank you so much for listening to the show. And as we close, we have one question we end every show with, and that is what are you, what is the one thing you're going to do to be healthier today? Dee, what do you think? So it is definitely sandal weather, but I'm still walking around with winter feet. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go get that taken care of today. Oh, little Manny Petty. Yeah. I love that. What about you, Tracy? Um, I am supposed to meet up with a friend and possibly do yoga. I don't know if it's hot yoga though, because it makes me so nauseous. (laughs) I have to find out what kind it is because it's, I don't, I don't, I don't tolerate heat, like hot tubs and stuff. I'll get sick to my stomach if I sit and I have to keep getting out, getting out, you know? Oh yeah. So anyway, so we'll see if that, if not, I will get outside for sure today. I love it. Yeah. It might be 95 degrees, but it's beautiful, that's it's for sure. It's gorgeous. <laughs> what about you, Sherry? Well, you know, I was whining about my back earlier, mm-hmm. so I think that's my that's my take care of myself job mm-hmm. today is to rest my back, do some ice and some heat, and maybe do a little stretching if I feel like I can or not if I don't feel mm-hmm. like I can. I can't. I'm just gonna, just know gonna take limits. care of myself. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna, as I teach my four-year-old, and he's constantly reminding me, "Mommy, I'm listening to my body." When he's hungry, so or he cute. has to go potty. <laughs> so today, mommy's listening to her body. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks again for tuning in to the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. We hope you have a fantastic and healthy day. <laughs>